0: Let's pay a visit to the newsroom, shall we, for a lively, light-hearted side of the news as we visit with none other than Miss Angie Humphrey today on Blabbin'. Angie, along with her co-host Ron Rhodes, they bring us the ever-popular Local Lifestyles Program, which airs weekdays on Eyewitness News, W E H T. Local, and the Henderson-Evansville Market, and throughout much of Western Kentucky. Now Angie has hosted similar shows in other markets such as Louisville. Needless to say she has enjoyed a highly successful career in broadcast journalism and she has interviewed multiple household names that I know you're going to recognize. So we'll get the scoop from her and if that weren't enough she will pass along some friendly advice for all those who are perhaps seeking to become the next Angie Humphrey. Although we know there couldn't possibly be another Angie Humphrey. So let's cut to the chase and get cracked. It's Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Episode 8 of Season 3. Buckle up and let's ride. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Hebron to Harland, Hazard to Hardensburg, many have tried to cover the Commonwealth. But they've all fallen short in comparison to us here on Blabbin' in the Bluegrass because it's a given we explore and celebrate all things Kentucky. Sam Moore coming at you as per usual from the comfy cozy confines of the North Quail Motel in stunning Henderson KY and I mean to tell you we have a killer show at our fingertips because we are featuring a lovely lady who's widely recognized for her talent and professionalism in the Henderson Evansville region across the Commonwealth of Kentucky and even well beyond. We are speaking of course of Angie Humphrey who hosts the local lifestyle show on WEHT, whose studios are in fact located on Marywood Drive right here in Henderson. Now, Local Lifestyles is somewhat similar to what we do here on Blabbin' in the Bluegrass. The primary difference is uh, Angie focuses on subjects and stories of interest throughout Western Kentucky, Southern Indiana, Southern Illinois, whereas we zero in on all parts of the Bluegrass. Now, Angie has quite a fascinating story, and we're going to dive into it. Pronto. But before we do, I do want to give you some background info on the people that we discussed to make this interview make a little bit more sense for those of you who uh, live outside of the WEHT viewing area. Now, uh, Angie's sidekick, Ron Rhodes, is a longtime meteorologist in the Henderson-Evansville Tri-State region, and he definitely adds plenty of wit and charm to the show. We also discuss many of Angie's regular guests which for a number of years included a gardening expert by the name of Charlie Stalker who was so well-liked Highly thought of sadly we lost Charlie just a few weeks ago, but he was vibrant and active Up until almost the bitter end. He did his last feature with the Angie on local lifestyles Just like two weeks or so before his passing so may he rest in peace we'll talk about uh, other familiar faces to the program and uh, household names that I know that you will know. So don't move a muscle. Before we get to Angie, though, I do want to remind you that I am readily available via email with questions, comments, and suggestions that you may have. Throw them at me. I don't buy it. It's bluegrassblabbin at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S, B-L-A-B-B-I-N, at gmail.com, but that's not your only option. There's also the Blabbit in the Bluegrass Facebook page, which I strongly encourage you to like and follow, for we have every previous episode right there. If you'd like to relive some or maybe catch some that you missed, well, there's your tickets. We also have uh, updates that we present over the course of the week that you can uh, stay in touch with, make comments, leave messages, communicate with me via that avenue as well. We would also love for you to subscribe and listen to the program free of charge via Apple, Google Podcasts, and or Spotify. We would love nothing more than for you to take advantage of those outlets, too. So, we have, yet again, another Bluegrass brainbuster. The show just wouldn't be the same without it. At least, I would like to think it wouldn't. We try to do one of these on a weekly basis, so we will reveal the question and you will get the answer. After my delightful discussion with Miss Angie Humphrey. So, here's your question. Whether you realize it or not, Kentucky is home to the second oldest tourist attraction in the United States, right behind Niagara Falls. What is it? Again, Kentucky is home to the second oldest tourist attraction in the United States, right behind first place, which is Niagara Falls. What is it? You think on that, get the wheel spinning, and we will reveal the answer in the final segments of the program. Good luck. Sam Moore proudly presents his Commonwealth Crowd Pleaser. Well, today we are privileged to have a local news legend who is the host of <laughs> Local Lifestyles. Maybe that's the first time she's been called a legend. But anyway, it's on Eyewitness News here in the Henderson area. You can catch her weekdays between 11 and noon. And uh, she had me on her show a few months back to talk about uh, me and what I'm doing. So I thought it was only fitting that I have her on my show. And she's used to doing the interviewing. But today, she gets to sit in the hot seat. But I promise it won't be that hot.
1: So. I was telling my husband I was glad. I I, he said, "What are you going to talk about?" And I said, "I have no idea. I don't have to worry about
0: it. Sam's got it." (laughs) There you go. I tell you, yeah. I know. I know. Broadcasters like to roll with it, and so we're going to have a bunch of fun today. Let's hear it, folks, for Miss Angie Humphrey. (laughs) Angie, <laughs> hey, we are so tickled that uh, you found time in your busy schedule to join us. Now, how long have you? Uh, how long have you been with the Eyewitness News team?
1: Let's see. I think this is my sixth year with right. uh, lifestyles.
0: I gotcha. I'm, I know uh, my earliest memories of you were when you were with uh, WEVV 44.
1: Oh yeah, and that's been gosh forever ago. I think I left there in
0: 2001. So. Two thousand one. Yeah.
1: See it. Uh, it's that, been a while.
0: Well, yeah, because you started so young. You're only thirty nine now. But uh, that's
1: absolutely <laughs> right. You're 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 so close. You got the nine right. I got the nine. Right. <laughs>
0: you well, got the nine we... in the
1: right in the right position is just that number in front of it.
0: Oh, so at least least we're halfway there. Well, we're anxious to hear uh, all about you and your story. Now, you grew up in the rockin' metropolis of Rumsey, Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: surely did. Green uh, Green River Rat.
0: Green River Rat. There are far worse things, trust me. So uh, let's hear, Angie, about some of the prominent local television personalities that you remember watching as a young pup.
1: Oh well, of course, Marsha Yockey. No, no, oh that, yeah,
0: she was. That a... name
1: leads the banner of anybody who's my age and uh, a little bit younger because she was just uh, such a unique personality. And for all of us uh, young women looking at that, going, well, you know that here's a role a woman can play. It was Marsha and Barbara Walters. I mean, that's. That's what we have.
0: Oh yeah, Baba Walter. She had that that thick New York accent. But, yes, uh, <laughs> yes. Well, you couldn't you couldn't uh, mistake her for anybody else. And I assume you got um, all local stations. I don't guess WBKO and Bowling Green didn't make it up quite that far, did it?
1: No, we could sometimes pick up some Nashville fringe stations, but of course we had 14, 7, 25. And of course, that depended on which direction the aerial was pointing and uh somebody, you know, the reason the remote controls were invented, they were invented by dads who were sick and tired or kids who were sick and tired of going to move the aerial for their dad. So some kids said, I'm fixing this right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but just, just think about how many calories those people burned by getting up and down to change the channels. Uh, I didn't
1: burn nearly enough,
0: but uh, yes. <laughs> of course, you didn't, you didn't have as many channels to rotate between back in those days. But uh, Oh yeah,
1: just a few, you know, just a few of the, the major networks and uh, that was all. And of course, now we've got jillions of them live streaming and still not much to watch when you get oh, right down I, to it.
0: <laughs> we have all this cable and hundreds of channels for a lot of people and they still complain <laughs> about nothing being on TV. Right. (laughs) Anyway, so you watched, you watched Marsha Yockey and Barbara Walters and all these lovely ladies on TV. So when did you first realize, Angie, hey, that was my calling and that's what I want to do?
1: I never realized it. It was, you know, so funny that I wound up in television. My love was theater, musical theater. So when I was a little girl, I mean, by the first grade, You know, people always ask a child what they want to be. And, you know, they say teacher, firefighter, whatever the kids always say. And I would always say I wanted to be a movie star. And people would, laugh, you know, chuckle at me. And I didn't like that. If I felt condescended to. So one magical day, I learned the word entertainer. And I was probably about seven when I learned that word. And so when I would answer the question, I want to be an entertainer, People would be like, "Oh, wow!" And I thought, "Okay, that works. <laughs> that
0: works." <So laughs> yeah, really that's a, a broad Broadway
1: time. was kind of the direction I was heading or hoping to head, and 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 television was a uh, just came along, and uh, I'm glad it did.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yes, and so are we. Now, um, when you went to Murray State, were, were you a theater major or? Um... I
1: was a theater and speech major, yes, indeed, and then oh. many. Many uh plays there, and I worked in summer stock for the Kentucky state parks and my director for those shows was Hollywood star Tom Ewell, who was also a Kentuckian, oh. and he would uh we put together a, a group of singers, college singers, and uh, dancers, and we did uh, we were called the Lakeside Singers, and we performed at all the state parks around Kentucky Lake in the summertime. so I had a great uh college adventure. Lots of opportunities to to really hone my skills and loved it. I love theater still do
0: yeah I, I tell you, I think we all have an appreciation for or anybody that likes to laugh better have an appreciation for <laughs> for theater <laughs> because it's a, a good source of laughs now um did you um, do any radio or TV on campus there at Murray?
1: you know, I really didn't uh, until the last semester because I was so really uh, committed to the theater part of things that I really hadn't thought about broadcasting. And in the last semester, I, I did some television interview show on campus, but I didn't participate in the broadcasting department at all, but it was, I liked it. It was easy for me to do. And well, I think when you are a theater trained person, when you're accustomed to having to ad lib and think on your feet, it naturally uh, enhances your ability to be on camera and uh, communicate with people. So when I, when I had that experience, I thought, okay, I, I can do this. This is, this, this is good. Having not, not having that in view
0: at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. But that theater translated well into your, uh, broadcasting experience there in your last semester. Now, where exactly was it, Angie, that you landed your first television job? In
1: Louisville, Kentucky. I was uh, in my final semester at Murray, and uh, one of my friends, Linda Brown Phil Bryant, had been Miss Murray State before me, and I was Miss Murray State. We were friends. Wow. And she was working in Louisville for Channel 32, WLKY, and her, she, her husband was transferred. And she was obviously going to go with him. And so she called me and said, hey, I am moving, and I think you'd be great for my job. I, I would like for you to come and audition for it. And I really didn't have a clue what she did, but I thought, okay, well, I'm not doing anything else right now. Broadway hasn't called, certainly. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to Louisville and auditioned for this uh, role. She was the community affairs director, so she was the department head of her department, and she did two or three little talk shows, not unlike Lifestyles. It was a morning talk show and an afternoon talk show and the Dialing for Dollars movie. That's right, Sam. Dialing, for dollars. The Dialing for dollars movie, yes sir mm. And I got the job. So I moved to Louisville and without graduating college, I left in my last, I think I oh, I was doing my last nine hours. And uh, off I went, I started there. And in a few months, the uh, one day the weather guy got sick. And so the station manager said, Well, you know, you're a nut, you could probably do this. So I want you to can you come in and do the weather? And I went, I don't know anything about the <laughs> meteorology. I don't know any I, I don't know anything about geography. I know zero. And he said, but you you can you can pull it off. So I <laughs> came to the uh the station afternoon, you know run through really, no practice, it was all live TV. And that was back in the days if you remember. Marcia, you had to draw your weather map. It was all that big old fat ink pen stuff, messy, oh, yeah. leaky. And I didn't know an isobar from a cold front to save my neck. So <laughs> the weather service sent me that they plot the maps. It was a great big machine and they sent the map for the day, so I draw that thing, uh, not knowing <clears throat> any of the regions of where the storms were coming from. Rock. So I'm, I'm writing. Now uh, we should get a visual of this, but here's this giant map. So I'm using a a real pale pen to write where like where the Rocky mountains are and whatever else on there. Well, I can't see it. I'm facing the camera. I'm not facing back at the, at the map. It was, it was hilarious. But <laughs> as they say, the rest is showed this history. I exactly. pulled it off with a bunch of, you know, being silly and weather omens that I'd learned from my grandmother and, That sort of stuff, so I became the down-home weather girl
0: after that. (laughs) You see, despite having never seen a radar, you... uh... Never seen radar. (laughs) And, of
1: course, we just had... Radar was really new, and it it was not a refined instrument by any stretch of the imagination. So the equipment was pretty spotty, and we used all the information from
0: the National Weather Service. Right. Uh,
1: So it it was interesting, and I did that for
0: years. So you were you were meteorologist Angie Humphrey for a while there.
1: Well, I certainly wasn't a meteorologist, and never did make that uh, level. But I was uh, hopefully at least entertaining.
0: You were like, (laughs) you were weather lady. We'll go go with that. Yeah, I
1: was. I was the. I was a weather girl. Had my Farrah Fawcett hair, and you know that was that's the days of the weather girl.
0: There you go. Well, you didn't have the luxury of any of the technology that your partner Ron Rhodes has today.
1: Oh, not oh, lens, no, not, none of that was even in view. We still had film at eleven for the news. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that the days that you had to cut film from for a story. So that's how that's how long ago I started. <laughs> exactly. Nineteen
0: seventy-three, I think it was. How long were you at LKY there? Let me think.
1: Seventy-three probably 73 to uh 80 79 or 80 and then I uh crossed the street to work for WHAS and uh host co-host a show called Louisville Tonight and that was back in the days when PM magazines and magazine shows were or uh gaining some momentum and uh the WHAS created one and my co-host was Tom Van Howe who was a highly respected newspaper man and uh journalist and we had a, a great time it was a, a very uh exciting time we had terrific equipment a big staff of producers we did a, a show every night that was about an hour long but it was a lot of fun um, a lot like lifestyles only we imagine almost everything being out
0: of the studio and in the field it was, it was fun yeah, it does sound. I'm going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to send me one of your old shows if you got any. I'd like to.
1: <laughs> well, they're probably on YouTube
0: somewhere. Our, well, my husband's not even,
1: yes, they are, so
0: yes. Uh, are. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to hear Angie Humphrey from the 80s. Now, you um, uh, you also got to work a little bit with uh, Louisville Legendary Miners, did you not?
1: Oh, I did. We had such fun. I've, I've been so lucky, Sam, to, in all of my career, to work with wonderful partners i've you know all of my co-hosts have been stellar brilliant funny talented and terry miners of course what a what a great talent he is still today
0: oh yeah yeah you can still hear him on the on the mighty eight forty WHAS radio there in, in Louisville, and I actually went to Western with uh, Terry's son Max Miner, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> he and I yeah. got to know each other pretty well. Now Terry, I can I can tell I've never met Terry, but I can tell he's quite the character. do you Do you have a Do you have a Terry Miner story that stands out in your mind for us? Oh
1: my goodness! Well, he's just such a case. You know, he's just a he's such a quick wit. To to stay up with him all the time was uh, it was exciting. it was never a challenge, but it was just exciting to ha- be in that high energy exchange when you 're both on a roll and One witty comment leads to another and Terry was just it just as it a natural with anyone, no matter who he 's interviewing. it could be a head of state or a basketball player or a seven year old kid He was just with you when you uh, when he was in your presence. he was really with you and trying to make you look good and be a part of the conversation, a real talent. But there were so many hijinks that he loved to pull, and I really could, can't isolate one. They were, Every day was fun with him.
0: I know. I've heard so many impersonations on his show, and I'm sure he does some of them. I'm sure he has secret people that he doesn't want us to know about that do others, but,
1: but. He probably does most of them. He's been doing that for a long, long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. It takes a lot of talent to pull off those impersonations. Now, uh, were there, uh, were there any other stops between WHAS and your, uh, Henderson Evansville work?
1: Oh, just two or three. <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to cover all of the stops. Okay. Uh, I, when I worked with Terry, I was actually living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I would fly back and shoot a whole week's worth of shows with Terry, and and that was PM movable at that time, in one day, and that was fun, change clothes, and really rock it out, and and get it done, again, high energy, lots of fun, and I worked for, I went to Atlanta, and I went to Atlanta twice, and my first gig in the 80s was working for The superstation, Ted Turner, and part of I was part of a team working on a television show called Good News, which was a pop culture magazine like local lifestyles, uh, lots of fun, uh, interesting things going on uh, around the world because it was seen everywhere. Right. And I did that for about two or three years. And the, the couple who were the producers of that show, Bonnie and Terry Turner, no relation to Ted went on to become writers for Saturday Night Live and the creators of Wayne's World and the Coneheads, Third Rock from the Sun. So it was a great company to be in. I learned a lot from them.
0: Absolutely. And and, uh, you heard more about the Braves than you wanted to, I'm sure, being in Atlanta. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, you know, it was a big deal. And and of course, at that time in the Superstation, wrestling was such a big deal Turner owned uh, all those rights. So you'd be walking down the hallway, and the halls were small. It was an old uh, country club, I think, originally. And so here are these big, massive guys coming in to do the wrestling matches. Every day was interesting.
0: Oh, see, (laughs) those were the days when wrestling was on the Superstation. Now it's USA and Fox, and I think it's kind of spread out all over the place.
1: (laughs) Well, right, and it's a pathway to become a movie star like Dwayne Johnson.
0: Right, and um, I believe the miss has his own TV show, or at least he did. So yeah, there's a lot of wrestlers out there who've gone on to other TV shows. That's for sure. Now, when did um, when did you end up in Evansville for the first time?
1: I came back to this area in '97, in I believe, and went on the air. I believe it was 97 when I went on there on W E B V. Tim Black, who's now the new president of W-N-I-N, was the uh, the news director at that time. And he hired me. We've been great friends ever since. And I uh, did that gig for a little while. And I was also in seminary doing my master divinity degree and uh, did TV for about four more years, three more years, and and was out for 15 or so. Oh. And then six years ago, I came back to uh, fill in for Laura Kirtley, was off on maternity leave from uh, local lifestyles. And then she uh, went on to other things. And then I stayed with the show and I've been doing it ever since. So it's uh, yeah. it's, well, it's such a joy to be back. And what a thrill to be back in your 60s doing a show like Lifestyles that, it keeps me connected to every demographic, every age bracket, right. the, the entire community. It, it, it's such a life-enriching, uh, life-giving career sure. for me right now. I'm, I just turned 69, and every gotcha. day I think, I have, most people have retired and quit and given up about their career, and I'm, I'm just right in the throes of it and loving every second.
0: See, if, and if you love what you do, it's not much like work, is it?
1: <laughs> and it's fun. Listen, being with Ron Rhodes every day is a blast. Oh, it I can a imagine. Blast.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. Now, have have you ever gotten to taste any of his funky
1: fruit? <laughs> <laughs> we never get to have any in there. They're almost always photographs.
0: Oh, it's just pictures. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a
1: great franchise. Now, people do every now and then bring him. Something uh, that they've grown in their garden, and there have been some interesting ones. I think he did a about two years ago, before you know, in the before times, before the pandemic, sort of a best of funky fruit. And there are some funky ones in there.
0: Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the secretary over there at Eyewitness News, I'm sure she gets some. Crazy Fruits brought in there, too, as well. In
1: more ways than one, and not just the kind you eat, either. <laughs> there a crazy
0: Fruits. We talked a little bit. I know that Local Lifestyles is uh, similar to the PM show that you used to host in Louisville, but for those who've been deprived of the privilege of watching Local <laughs> Lifestyles, uh, give us uh, a little more of an overview of what they can expect between 11 and noon each day on WEHT Local.
1: Well, what I hope that we're giving and the the reaction I get when I'm in the parking lot at Schnucks or the shopping at the mall is that people will stop me and say, I tune in every day because you and Ron make me smile or lift my spirits or... Uh, My husband's been an invalid for so many months and he can't go out. And so he's just living on seeing all the activities. So when you, when you come to local lifestyles, of course, it's going to be very upbeat and uplifting, we hope. And also connect you to the community at large. The tri-state community is big. It is diverse and just rich in talent and talented people innovators and change makers people who are community minded and committed to making our place a better place to live so that's what the show is really a celebration of the individuals and organizations that strive to make our community exciting and healthier and safer and more entertaining more interesting and uh, a place where families can flourish and people can flourish so we're trying to mix it up every day make sure there's a good variety of guest and t- and some days you'll come in and you have the show all lined up and three people they've gotten sick or can't make it in and you've got to scramble to get a guest in there <laughs> thank on uh, your feet to fill that slot and luckily we have some great go-to people today Lewis Cheney popped in and he is always a fabulous guest so it's interesting to have to kind of be be ready for anything you have exactly. to be Ready, whatever, and then sometimes you and we go. Well, Ron and I got this. We can do this for four minutes. Yeah, we can probably do the bit. entire hour, frankly. But uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that's but a, where that good old theater training comes back in, and absolutely, out. Yeah.
0: yeah, theater comes in handy. And then it's nice to be able to think on your feet and have those connections that are willing to, you know, go on the air on short notice. That's <laughs> that's always well. We
1: nice. we are just a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we're a, a platform, a megaphone, um, a place where you can get the word out about your fundraiser. or You can get the word about your show. You're blabbing in the bluegrass. We can let yeah. people know there are interesting individuals. You don't have to go to Hollywood or New York or Nashville or Atlanta to meet the interesting people who bring life and a perspective to our community. And that's what local lifestyles is.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And uh, we've had a few mutual guests. I know, um, you and I both had local singing, songwriting talent, Annabelle Whitledge, who's about 13 years old.
1: How about her? How about Annabelle? She's,
0: <laughs> she's great, and she she won a Hollywood Music and Media Award a few months ago too. So she, oh, she
1: sure did. I had her back on the show, and she's going to do terrific. I mean, she's just a, she's got it, as they say. She's a natural.
0: She's got it, and she loves she loves performing too. So she's definitely got a. A bright future ahead of her. Charlie Stalker. I couldn't listen to to Charlie without grinning from ear to ear because he was just always peppy and he had a passion for for gardening. You could tell.
1: He and he had a passion for people um, too. He was such a community servant. And I don't know if you know Sam, but Charlie was part of the Good News Prison and Jail Ministries and worked with that organization for years to make sure the people in local jails and prisons were attended to from a faith-based perspective, not directed and not guided and not, uh, I think treated with a certain denominational view, but to make sure they were heard and seen and, uh, and recognized that, that you, your life may be hard and you're in a bad spot. You did something that was not the best for your life, but we hear you and we see you and we're here to stand and show you we care. That just impressed me. Didn't surprise me, of course, but it's impressed me of Charlie's uh, enthusiasm for that ministry. And and he was just a fan of all of us. Charlie was our, you know, was a big fan of Ron Rhodes and Laura Kirtley and Joe Bird and Jake and Gretchen and, and me and such an encourager, he would always say, wow, that was a great interview. Wow, you have just really made that exciting. He, That was Charlie. He was Steve. just for you. He was for you. And uh, today was the really the first day that his death had, I think, taken uh, a toll on me and realized, because normally Mondays are two interviews with Charlie, and
0: right. that's just
1: an impossible... A hole to fill. Nobody can replace Charlie in any Man, way.
0: It happened so quick. I heard him. just, I think about a month or so ago. On, yep. uh, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he passed away so suddenly. But he was great. He was. Uh, he was seventy-one, right? Yeah. yeah just, funny? just,
1: and then we say now, just seventy-one, just a couple of years older than me, and had so much more to do and say, and. Uh, he was very involved with the Farm Bureau and high school students in ag and a passionate voice for getting young people interested in farming and agriculture, which we need, Sam, as you know, in our neck of the woods. We need to keep our talent here and uh, keep oh, our farms vibrant and alive. And that was Charlie's passion. And he served his church well, taught little kids in Sunday school.
0: Served and I all did the read I did read that he was a Westside Nut Club member as well. So Oh,
1: absolutely. And head of the Westside uh, Improvement Association planting and cleaning up and doing, just serving. That that was
0: Charlie. The man had no enemies. so rest in right. peace. Uh, rest in peace, Mr. Charlie. Now, Angie, you've had the opportunity to uh, cover a, a number of memorable events and stories throughout your uh, extensive background in TV. Some have been easier and more fun to cover than others, I know. However, of those newsworthy topics that uh, you've reported on, which ones do you think you would list among your favorites? (laughs) Uh, Let's see.
1: Well, my favorite celebrity interview, which may surprise you, Sam, and I was fortunate enough to interview him twice in my career, was Vincent Price.
0: Vincent Price, that's a business. Yes.
1: Mm. You know, he years ago, he was a spokesperson for Sears. He was a, a Renaissance man, uh, extremely well-educated and well-versed across a host of topics, not the least of which was art and artwork, Montessori method of education, cooking. He was just a delightful human being and gracious to every person who interviewed him. But he was just a, a giving interview. He there was no sense that you are so fortunate to be in my rarefied air kind of an attitude. He was just there and answering your questions and, and, and enthusiastic and very present with you. I, was, I stood and watched him with a whole, from a, one interview after the other, a whole string of reporters taking him, taking questions one after the other. And he was as fresh and as warm with every person, no oh matter, after he'd been there hours. That Same. impressed me so. And lots of fun, you could ask him to do his signature laugh or his the, the speech from Thriller, and he would always cooperate. What a delightful, memorable talent he was. He was a man
0: of the people. <laughs> he was, truly. <laughs> For sure, so Vincent Price was a good one. Uh, any other household names that, that stand out to you?
1: Well, <laughs> was set many years ago.
0: Well, we'll, uh, well was, if we yeah. have to narrow it down, we'll say, we'll say top three or four.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, this is just a great experience. Uh, it was the uh, year of the Kentucky Derby. and My gig was in the Rose Garden, interviewing celebrities that they came through to go to Millionaire's Row, which is a lot of fun. And lots of celebrities come through. And Howard Cosell was my next interview. And mm. I I did not know this because he did the mouth of uh, sports for so long as everybody knew. But I didn't realize, because I'd never seen him in person, how tall he was. He was so tall and of course I'm not, but so I'm out there in the Rose Garden, I'm interviewing him and the wind is blowing rather sharply. So I'm looking up in his face, holding the microphone up and I mean, he's really tall. And I can see the wind has caught his toupee and it's Uh lifting it up and lowering it, lifting it, lowering. And and to this moment, I could not tell you one thing Howard Cosell said to me because I was sure His tooth was going to blow off in the Rose Garden right there on live. Uh,
0: you were focused on his toupee, and understandably so.
1: Yeah, I couldn't, I really couldn't tell you
0: a single uh, thing he said. I really could not tell you. That's hilarious. Now, uh, I know when you first got to Louisville, uh, Joe B. Hall and Denny Crum were two big coaching rivals. Did you ever get to interview uh, either of them?
1: Oh, yes, of course. Denny Crumb quite often uh, and was a great uh, an interview and a great uh, friend of our TV stations and um, really present in the community in lots of ways. So, yes, I was able to interview him and he was very gracious as well.
0: Well, that's awesome. Of course, Shelby and Denny used to, they went on to have their own radio show after they stopped coaching and, <laughs> you know, they were able to put their differences aside and became friends and, so that was cool stuff. Did you ever have the pleasure of listening to that show? The Joe B. and Denny show?
1: I never did. I'm not a sports fan per se, but so I never did uh, hear that. I'm sure they were both great though, because they were both great talkers. Oh yeah. Great yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had great stories.
0: They had a lot of chemistry and a lot of fans when they, uh, when they had their show together for quite a few years. Now, uh, other than being with Ron Rhodes on a daily basis, which is needless to say, wonderful. What excites it you is. most? about uh, being part of the eyewitness news team on a daily basis?
1: That's such a good question, and I'm, I'm so happy to answer it, because I think if you ask people in the broadcast field, maybe not all of their experiences are positive, but I can tell you with such, um, just such transparency, our morning crew from the folks on the camera, the folks in the control room, uh, the, all the producers, that morning crew is a stitch. We have so much fun together.
0: Oh, and it's just shows. a
1: different atmosphere. Everybody, most of them have been up since two o'clock in the morning, so everybody's a little wired by the time I get in there. They're a little punchy, punchy but and that's good <laughs> because it keeps their energy up. But We have such a good time, and we, we really care about each other. So Gretchen, Joe, and Ron in the morning, and then I get to come in and be a part of that. I love my producer and all the people on the camera, the directors. So we have this complimentary energy that is uh, relaxed, but also professional. Everybody knows that the people around them can do their jobs well, and that makes it easy to do your job.
0: Oh yeah. When you trust the those around you, that always makes your job a lot easier.
1: (laughs) Yes, indeed. If you know them the guy who's doing the audio or gal or the director or the producer, they, they've, they've crossed their T's and dotted their I's. And they do, they all take great pride in their own work. And they uh, are fun. They're just fun, uplifting people. The camera people are hilarious. The people in the, if you could hear the things that are said in that little thing in my ear, sometimes you would die laughing. I mean, it's, the humor is wonderful. It's, it's, healing it's uplifting and I, I look so forward to that camaraderie we have we're all good friends and i think it shows
0: oh it does and i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to picture right up to marywood drive one of these days and be a fly on the wall during your show just to see what you comes out welcome. of y'all's mouth
1: <laughs> you are welcome anytime sam we would love to have, um, have love to have you visit and it is fun you know the pandemic really um really brought us down, and and not just because of the disease itself, but we were used to having live guests in the studio all the time, and then, of course, we had to Zoom, and we missed that energy. The guests played off each other. We played off having them in the studio as the live audience, and the nice thing, or the additional thing, or that extra lanyard, was that so many of our guests waiting to be on the show met each other and became friends or business partners or boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, you name it. The connections that were made off camera between our guests were priceless. And I love that it brought a, a flavor to us and an energy to us that we have really, really felt the absence of this year. So we're glad we're allowing a couple of live guests back in the studio. And it's so exciting to have them back.
0: Oh, I know. It's just like, where has this energy been?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were doing the best we could to keep everybody else up and running this this past year. So we are grateful. We are so grateful to have guests back in the studio. We're, We're also grateful that Zoom was a technology we could use so we could keep on doing lifestyles. But man, oh man, there's nothing like having those folks in the studio.
0: Yeah, <laughs> feeling their presence in person just—it just can't be replaced. Now, <laughs> uh, you talk about the chemistry of the morning crew. Now, they—the afternoon folks, Brad, Wayne, and um, Brandon, and all those folks—you—you you probably don't see too much of them normally, do you?
1: No, we really don't uh, uh, pass in the night. Really, by the time I'm uh, by the time I leave, none of them have come in yet. But I can tell you, Chris, I worked with Shelley when I first came to a local lifestyle. She was doing the morning and. Did I love Shelly Kirk? I certainly did and do. I have so much respect for her and not just her professionalism, which goes without saying. Oh, sure. But what a strength of character, what a leader, what an inspirational human being. Shelley Kirk is rock solid as a journalist and as a human being. I really enjoyed sitting in her light and I miss that in the mornings, but it's a great, this is a much better schedule for her with her family life. And of course back with Brad, because they had anchored together uh, through the years and they're good. They're a great team, as you know, and, and of course we all love and respect Brad and uh, oh, yeah. his presence and professionalism. But the the evening crew, we just don't get to see each other unless we do a special event. And uh, then we, 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 our 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 paths will cross, but yeah, uh, they're, they're all good people. And, uh, Solid professionals, and I'm happy to know them and call them friend.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I can't imagine eyewitness news without Brad. He's been there um, since before I was born. I think maybe Shelley has too. But <laughs> I'll tell you.
1: yeah, we've all we've all been around a while. But I still I think I'm the oldest one in the squad. I, I oh, do. I think I think I'm older than Brad by a little bit. So little uh, bit. I'm not sure. I don't tend to ask people, but. Yeah, I mean, but that, you know, that's a really an advantage to be able to be around all of this youth and enthusiasm and to be accepted as part of the team and not sort of designated as the old, wise old head off in the corner somewhere. I mean, I don't feel any, in any way different or distanced from them due to my age and our age of differences. And that's, that says a lot
0: about them. Yeah, it's good, to, it's good that you're you know all is one together as a as a team and age doesn't factor in that's that's the kind of team that that anybody would want to work on no yeah doubt. it makes it fun absolutely it does now um uh, in addition to uh, your local lifestyles uh, you also are the minister of the fresh air church in <laughs> evansville and you mentioned your divinity degree that you were working on when you were uh, at 44. So tell us, Angie, what inspired you to uh, embark on this endeavor in addition to your uh, television work?
1: Well, it's been a great question. Um, of course, I, I'm, a, I'm a cradle-born Baptist kid. I grew up in the Calhoun Baptist Church, and so as I, as I got older and went to college and experienced life in different facets, I've always been a fascinated by the, by the Bible and the text of the Bible and the stories in the Bible, but I like knowing them from another angle besides someone telling me what they mean. I wanted to know myself. I wanted to understand them. I wanted to understand how sacred texts work and what textual criticism meant and historical criticism and all those highfalutin uh, academic words, but I wanted to be able to come to the pages and the stories of the Bible with some resources, so that I could understand what they must have meant to the first people who told them and heard them, because they had meaning then and meaning now to us. And that was what drove me. It was, it was purely an academic pursuit to attend seminary. It wasn't a call to ministry as so many uh, ministers say it, and, there, and that's legitimate and fine and wonderful, but it wasn't my, it wasn't my, my experience. My experience was to to, to learn and to know uh, and to, to be able to teach with some real uh, teeth in my uh, educational background. I really kind of have knowledge that backs that up. So the four year degree is uh, 90 hours of the happiest and hardest hours I've spent in my life. I adored every class I took, every uh, every class I sat through, every book I read, I enjoyed my professors and I missed it when it was over. That was a real uh, loss to me because there's is that it was so it was what I loved. It
0: was kind of bittersweet, about wasn't it? Those
1: topics. Now I was enthusiastic, and uh, the professors enjoyed me, and I enjoyed them, and I enjoyed my my fellow students, and made sure. some great friends. So when I when I left seminary and graduated, I really wasn't planning on serving a church at all, but really more thinking of teaching uh, in right. that in an academic setting of some kind. And so the opportunity came up to serve a church in Evansville as a director of women's ministries. And then one thing led to another. So there you are. And uh, in awesome. the midst of all of that time, the church that I was serving just fell apart. in one of the ugliest and most painful experiences of my adult life, and believe me I've had a few to see people uh-huh. you love at in strife sure. and, and really ugly strife. And so that, the church fell apart, and the folks that were uh, the the people who like to sit at, in my teaching came with me, and we uh, decided to stay together as a community. And so we were talking about it, and I said, "Well, I tell you, I need a breath of fresh air." And I said, "That's who we're going to be. We're going to be fresh air." Oh, so that's and how we, get that's how we fresh started. Air <laughs> yeah, that's how we became fresh air. <laughs> and uh, we we have been um, we've been together. This will be our this is our ninth year this fall. And it's been such an interesting journey, of uh, Faith. We are one of the few open, welcoming, and affirming churches. We we don't care who you love or how you love. We don't uh, we don't care about your particular theology. We just want you to be with us. Let us love you, and and let you let yourself be loved. And our role and my role is to be with you in the the vicissitudes of life, where what, what come what may. If it's a Joyful birth, or a painful breakup, or a loss uh-huh. of a job, or uh, winning the lottery, or any of the other human <laughs> pains and struggles, we are we are supportive of each other, and not tied to a denominational set of doctrines, rules, and policies. And that sure. that works for me. It Doesn't work for everyone. And I'm not saying it's for everyone. Absolutely, everyone's welcome. Well, but, but we <laughs> recognize that we feel uh, a, a void in our community, and I'm grateful to fill that void, and grateful to and proud to say that our doors are open to everyone, no matter what.
0: Right, and people appreciate a, a partner in life, if you will, so right. there's definitely right. a, a place for that. Now, what, what, when are your worship times for people that want to come join you? So we meet at 6.30 uh,
1: on Thursday nights, and we are also available at that time on Facebook Live, Fresh Air Community of Faith. And that's worked really well for us during the pandemic and, and brought to us a new audience of people who are in different places in the country who are looking for a welcome, open, and affirming congregation. So we continue to do Facebook Live Thursday nights and our regular service, which is as casual as casual can be, and we like it that way.
0: Oh, yes. Indeed. So 6.30 Thursday nights and Facebook Live or in person. So fresh air is coast to coast and border to border soon to be. That's right. That's
1: exactly right. We're big big now.
0: I'm telling you, they're moving on up. Well, Angie, this has been great. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have.
1: Sam, I have. I, I love what you do and I love your enthusiasm and your energy and that you're a storyteller. I I, I always uh, identify with the storyteller and you are one.
0: Well, you know, I do what I can with the help of my guests. Now, one more thing, Angie, before we let you go. What advice would you offer to aspiring newscasters of the future? Uh, first and foremost,
1: read, read, read. books. <laughs> read some books besides things that are, uh, on Facebook or online, read some, and read some things that challenge you, challenge your ideas and ideals. Read, uh, not just newspapers, read fiction, read biographies, read complicated texts, read things that are uh, history and, and that are ancient, but read and then sit with what you read and try to understand what all of that can mean and how it can help you be a communicator. Write, 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 write. Read great writers and practice your writing every day. Look at the way the top journalists write and follow those those prompts and those ways. And then uh, above all, be open and curious. If you're not curious, you're not going to be a great journalist and you're not going to be a great interviewer. You have to really be present with the person you're talking to, listen to them deeply and well, so that you can have an authentic and personable conversation that people want to hear. But I see such an absence of enthusiasm for reading, and it also plays out so often in the writing. So if you're really interested in broadcast journalism or journalism of any kind, or interested in being an interesting person in life, read and, and practice your writing. It doesn't have to be great. You don't have to be Steinbeck or Hemingway, but <laughs> practice your writing and then be a good listener and be present with the people who have given you their time. They've graced you with time and attention. So, you know, make it work. Make it have value. Sure.
0: Yeah, and the more you enjoy reading and, um, you know, the more proficient you become at writing, all that uh, leads to good storytelling, doesn't it?
1: It is the path to good storytelling.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. And that's that's key for journalism. So check Angie Humphrey out along with Rod Rhodes on Local Lifestyles weekdays from 11 to noon on uh, Eyewitness News, WEHT Local. And uh, they would love to grace you with uh, their presence via your television set. And if they want to promote a special event or a nonprofit fundraiser of some sort, uh, how can they get in touch with you, Angie?
1: The best thing to do is to uh, find me on Facebook and send me a Facebook message, but you can also reach out to tristatehomepage.com, which is a long moniker there. That's our page. And all of our emails are there, but you know, it's a Humphrey at tristatehomepage.com. And uh, you can send me the information about your event or your talented daughter, who's a singer, whatever the case may be. We always love to hear about new people and new things. So, Reach out and tell us your story so we can help you tell it further to the community.
0: So see anything's fair, games. So just reach out. and Angie would be glad to talk to you. Angie would also be glad to see you at um, fresh air on Thursday nights at 6.30. Well, uh, Angie, you've been great. And uh, if you're all systems go, we'll have to do this again sometime.
1: Sam, I would love it. And I thank you so much. I'm honored that you ask.
0: And I thank you for your gracious welcome. Well, we sure appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: All right, dear. Thank you.
0: Now, I ask of you one burning question. How can you possibly dislike Angie Humphrey? What an extensive resume, and by golly, she's interviewed everybody from Vincent Price and Howard Cosell to yours truly about Blabbing in the Bluegrass. Quite a drop-off on that last one, obviously, but uh, an impressive variety among her guest interactions through the years. That goes without saying, and I was pleased as punks to appear on her show a few months ago to promote what we've got going on here. It was a pleasure chatting with her then. There, And it was a pleasure chatting with her now here as a special guest on my show. And I know she looks forward to talking with you about anyone or anything you believe deserves the attention of her and Ron Rhodes in the Tri-State on Local Lifestyles. So do not hesitate to let her know. And most importantly, tune in and make Local Lifestyles a part of your daily routine Monday through Friday mornings at 11 a.m., WEHT Local, that's Channel 25 in the Henderson-Evansville area across much of western Kentucky, southern Indiana, and southern Illinois. Guaranteed, guaranteed to put a smile on your face with features like The Daily Dish, with quirky off-the-beaten-path stories that you just can't find everywhere, great guests with insightful information on events and organizations that frankly Everybody needs to know about. And delivered in such an entertaining fashion by Ron Rhodes and Angie Humphrey, who are indeed two of a kind, that you'll see evidence of that chemistry when you tune into Local Lifestyles. Make sure Local Lifestyles and Blabbin' in the Bluegrass are both on your weekly agendas. A two-for-one that hopefully won't disappoint, at least on my end. I know it won't disappoint on their end. So we sure appreciate Angie Humphrey uh, joining me today, and we'll have more fun and excitement where this came from next week. I hope I didn't run you off. But uh, before we put this thing to bed, I do have the answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster, which we revealed at the beginning of the program. And whether you realize it or not, Kentucky is home to the second oldest, that's right, the second oldest U.S. tourist attraction right behind Niagara Falls, which is first. What is it? Your answer? None other than South Central Kentucky's Mammoth Cave. Yep, Mammoth Cave is not only the second oldest tourist attraction in the U.S. promoted starting in 1816, but it is also the world's longest cave. How about them apples? And you still got plenty of time to go over the summer while the kids are off and just make a a big old vacation out of it. Mammoth Cave, the second oldest tourist attraction in the U.S. and the world's longest cave, that is your answer to today's Bluegrass Brain Buster. We'll have another one next week. If you've got a suggestion for a Bluegrass Brain Buster, something you want to know, maybe you've got uh, an answer to a question that uh, most people may not have even thought about asking. Lay it on me at bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S, B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. That's also the address you need to use for questions, comments, suggestions of guests, and topics. You name it, I'm all ears and here to serve. I can also willingly connect with you via the blabin in the Bluegrass Facebook page where you can... Find each and every previous episode of the program, stay up to date with information as it is presented throughout the course of the week, make comments, leave messages, I do encourage you to like and follow the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page if you are not already doing so, and you are also cordially invited to listen to and subscribe to Blabin in the Bluegrass on Apple, Google Podcasts, and Spotify three very easy outlets and they're all free of charge we definitely want you to utilize those so until we meet again next week you know the drill keep laughing, keep smiling and of course, keep blabbing in the bluegrass
1: cause we're blabbing blabbing
0: blabbing in in the the bluegrass there's nothing here to hide cause we're saying it with pride just a blabbing Blabbing, blabbing in in the bluegrass with knowledge of the state you're sure to appreciate yes we're blabbing Blabbing, blabbing in in the bluegrass where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate just a blabbing Blabbing, blabbing in in the bluegrass with a fit for every taste precious time is not to waste